health information from experts, supported by research. From University of Utah Health, this is thescoperadio.com. You have pretty severe stress urinary incontinence, and it's been recommended you consider a surgically implanted device called an artificial urinary sphincter. Urologic surgeon Dr. Benjamin McCormick at University of Utah Health is an expert in male urinary incontinence, and today he's going to help provide us with what men should know when making this important treatment decision. Dr. McCormick, first, what is an AUS? It's a mechanical device. It comes in three parts that are all connected. First part is a saline-filled cuff that surrounds the urethra. The urethra is the pee channel. Uh, the P comes out of. Um, the second part is a balloon that applies pressure to that cuff, and that balloon is situated in the in the abdomen. And then, lastly, there's a pump that pumps the fluid from the cuff to the balloon when you're ready to pee, and that is in the scrotum. What are the uh, success rates of an AUS when you're treating stress urinary incontinence? We typically quote patients that that they can expect an eighty percent improvement of wherever they are. Um, and so if someone's floridly incontinent, they have no control, then, you know, they're wearing, you know, four or five upwards of 10 diapers a day. Um, you know, they can expect to, you know, be at 80%, which would, could mean, you know, three, four pads a day. Um, and so it's not going to be, it's, I would never counsel anyone that they would be dry, completely dry in every scenario after this procedure. Um, and so it's important to manage expectations. It's, it's also, you know, difficult to make a, a huge difference in someone's life when they're at zero um, than when they're at, say, 95%. And they leak very rarely, but it's still bothersome. Um, not to say that those patients wouldn't be a candidate for a procedure, but that it's easy to make someone happy going from zero to 80 than it is from 95 to 97 or 8. Sure. So about an 80% improvement rate from wherever the individual is. Right. Uh, you define that kind of in the, you know, the usage of how many pads you might use in a day. Mm-hmm. But what about the actual stress that causes those things to happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. For example, um, you know, sitting up from a standing up from a chair, um, swinging a golf club, um, you know, lifting something heavy. Sure. Um, it just really it's really dependent on the on the person. Um, but we see that all the time. And then what about the satisfaction levels? Yeah, very high. You're, you're getting some pretty satisfied patients. Yeah, 90, 95% patients are satisfied, um, would have it over again. And when they tell you, yeah, I'm really satisfied, what are the reasons they give for that? They can do things again that they've not been able to for a long time. Um, you know, they can go, you know, to Six Flags with their grandkids and, you know, not have to, you know, worry about changing their pads every hour or something like that. I think it's a, that's a pretty common, um, play golf, you know, not have to, you know, worry about, putting pads in their bag or what have you. So I, I think things like that. Also, pads, pull-ups, diapers are expensive. And so reducing that cost, I think, is uh, not insignificant. What are some of the common questions that men have when it comes to this particular procedure? And we're about pain, which is, you know, um, usually transient. Not a whole lot of pain with this procedure usually. Um, but, you know, anytime you make an incision, there's a low but non-zero risk of chronic pain. Um, I've not seen that personally, but I certainly have heard of it. And then, you know, using the device, it does take some learning and adjusting. I mean, every time you stand over a toilet, you got to press this button in your scrotum, you know, so that takes some getting used to, and there's some anxiety around that. The, the life 
span of the device, which is generally, you know, thought to be about eight, 10 years, um, sometimes more, sometimes less. Um, it's just a mechanical device. And so, you know, it has moving parts that can fail. Um, and so in that, if that's the case, we just kind of take it out and replace it. Usually not a big problem. So I think those are the main points that patients hit me with. Yeah. And when you talk about recovery time being about six weeks, does that mean six weeks, no working, no activity? Or what does that look like, the, the, that part of the recovery? Yeah, good question. We, we send patients home the same day, usually, unless uh, there's some extenuating circumstance, um, often without a catheter. And, you know, the next day they can, they can walk, climb stairs, shower. Um, but, yeah, we'd like them to refrain from you know, doing heavy lifting, you know, 15, 20 pounds for four, six weeks, um, you know, deep squats or things like that. Certainly not riding a bicycle for a good two, three months. Um, sure. But otherwise, you know, I think patients relatively quickly return to their normal lives. And is this device pretty durable? Like after I heal, can I go back to doing the things I want to do like golf or if I'm a runner, I can go back to running or. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Physical activity at that point's not not is that not an issue at all? Yeah, no real restrictions after three months. I think certainly patients can listen to their bodies and kind of start picking up activity within the first couple weeks. And then I just I just don't love when people are on bicycles or um, kind of other or horses, especially kind of within three months. I think it's pretty delicate. But after that, yeah, no problem. What about intimacy and sexual function? Are men concerned about that? And then like what what? What impact does this device have on those two things? Yeah, for sure. Definitely men are are interested, um, <laughs> to say the least. Sure, right? I think, uh, I think by and large, this procedure helps a ton. What I'll say in my experience is that it's really hard for men to get in the mood when they're leaking urine or if they have an erection and they're trying to be intimate and they're leaking urine. I think that it's really tough and that is a main reason that men come and see me about this. So in my experience, men who are having sex or able to have sex before this procedure are much happier just because they're drier and, you know, they can be intimate with their partner and not have to worry about leaking certainly as much. What are some critical points of conversation or discussion that uh, a man should have with their provider? Um, before actually making this decision? Are there some things that they really just need to, questions they need to have answered or things they need to have worked out? What I tell all patients really who either my patients or friends or family who are seeking treatment, I think that um, asking a surgeon their outcomes and their particularly their volume is really important. Um, you know, if, you know, surgeons doing kind of one of these a year, it's not ideal. I mean, this is a pretty complex surgery. It can come with its fair share of complications and you really want someone who, who has experience in this. Yeah. What's the minimum that you should look for then? I don't know. Uh, I mean, I think the minimum would be something like five. I think if, if surgeon, a surgeon who does five a year is in the top 5% of implanters. I mean, I think that would be the absolute minimum. Um, you know, ideally, you know, double digits, a couple dozen, and I think it's, you know, importantly, it's being comfortable. I, I never want to talk anybody into surgery. I think that's a recipe for disaster. I think that, you know, it's, it's important that you have a honest and thorough conversation with your surgeon about your goals and expectations about their experience um, and alternatives. And what are those alternatives that patients should be aware of? 
Um, you know, I think that that non-operative management can be a good answer for many men. Um, you know, we often we see patients who've undergone prostate cancer surgery and have leakage. And one of the mainstays of treating incontinence, especially in the early stage, is pelvic floor physical therapy. And, you know, I, I'm a believer that essentially everyone should see a pelvic floor physical therapist. I think they really are miracle workers. The pelvic floor physical therapist can be a real ally um, in helping these folks kind of regain some continence. It doesn't always work, but but it's certainly something that should be tried before any of these surgical treatments. What are some other non-surgical options that men try? So beyond pads and pull-up diapers type things, um, there are these devices called Cunningham clamps, which can, it's basically a soft clamp that you place on the penis uh, that kind of holds the urine in. Um, And so we have patients come in with those not infrequently. The problem is that they're not super comfortable. Um, They don't necessarily work very well. And importantly, they can cause pressure sores on the penis. And I've seen some pretty terrible injuries from Cunningham clamps over the years. And, you know, I think they have their place uh, for some men. However, I don't think that it's a good long-term option. Yeah. I mean, condom catheters is another thing I see people use. Basically, it's a essentially a condom that has a drainage tube at the tip and it just kind of drains the urine into a bag that's on the leg. Um, so that's another thing, but again, can cause irritation on the penis and some men don't, don't, I think they're uncomfortable. And so not a whole lot of great options, to be honest. When a man does decide on an AUS versus trying some of the other things, what what's the deciding factors for them? Why this procedure? Well, for the right candidate, this procedure is the gold standard for moderate to severe urinary incontinence. It, it can it can really change lives. You know, I think that you know while I'll never try to talk anybody into surgery, if, if I think someone's a good candidate and they could really benefit, I'll I'll tell them. And so you know. While I don't want to talk anybody into anything, I also, I don't want people to live, you know, with incontinence that could be treated. Um, so, you know, it's a, it's a tricky, it's a tough balance, but, you know, I think that for the, for the right guy, this is, this is really great. Have a question about a medical procedure? Want to learn more about a health condition? With over 2,000 interviews with our physicians and specialists, there's a pretty good chance you'll find what you want to know. Check it out at thescoperadio.com.